The Smash Daily Podcast. Weekdays 4 to 6 on 107.1. The Big Z. Radio for the Riverbend. What is going on, anyone and everyone who might happen to be alive at this particular point in time? Big shout out to those listening and enjoying up there in the spirit world. And of course, a huge howdy to the High Holy Three. And Triple J, I love you. I tell you what, it's a magnificent day. It's beautiful outside. The temperature's just right, right about 80. But it's nice. Nice little calm, quiet, easygoing day. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I love sweating, you know. I always say I'd rather sweat than freeze any day, but this is nice. Just perfecto. No problema. I'll tell you the big problema is, uh, <laughs> and we'll talk uh, with Ed Wheatley about it. If anybody knows baseball in this town, it's Ed Wheatley. He's written three books. He is the guy who is, and they've done the documentaries on uh, on Channel 9, PBS, all that kind of stuff. Off of Ed Wheatley, so he's going to talk uh, cart- not only Cardinals baseball but MLB because it's interesting to see that now that the season has begun. This last weekend, all of a sudden, players coming down with the COVID. They have to cancel some games tonight. In just a little bit here. Now I got to talk about this splish splash thing. That'll come up in just a little bit here. Got a great day, and part of that great day includes. Guy's a longtime friend of mine, one of the geniuses of this area, and that's an attorney. Al Watkins is his name. Now, he's going to be on with me in just a little bit here, and he is the attorney for the Moloskis. And the Moloskis are the two folks, the husband and wife, who were brandishing the firearms on their lawn as the protesters came through the gates and just headed on down the street. So you know what that story is all about. Crazy. You're going to get the inside. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's a deeper inside than what you've seen anywhere. Because a lot of times, you know, you got these guys who say, oh, we're going to go deep and all that stuff. I didn't, you know, they don't go anything you ain't seen already. But uh, Al knows. He's got some things to say. It's a thing that uh, we recorded with uh, my friend Mark Milton. I'll tell you more about it. In just, I'd say about 20, 25 minutes or so with, with Al. But right now, as is always, I'd like to start out, as I always do, with just a killer, happy-go-lucky, let's enjoy the day tune, and here it be. Been 14 days since I told you. 
Billy Michaels is the name of that guy. What a fantastic song. That was an ultimate party tune in its day. Smash with you here. It's WBGZ. I tell you what, man. Back when I was playing in bands and we were coming up, we got to open up for these guys, Lee Michaels. And it was just him on his Hammond B3 organ, and he had about 10 Leslie's uh, playing behind him. Leslie's little speakers that give that sound to the organ. Uh, and they had like just a, a stack. You know how people have Marshall stacks as far as amplifiers are concerned? This guy had a Leslie stack, just a bunch of Leslie's. It was spectacular. And on the other side of the stage was this dude on drums. So it was just Lee Michaels and this dude on drums. Well, this dude's name was Frosty. And Frosty Man was like one of the badass drummers of the era. And so we were like all excited and everything that we we're going to get to open up, uh, uh, share the stage with Lee Michaels. Because not only are we going to get to meet Lee Michaels, that song is one of the big songs, uh, we're also going to get to meet Frosty because Frosty was wow. Frosty was also 450 pounds, serious business. And Frosty was not only a sight to, 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 to hear, because he was quite an amazing drummer. But he was also quite a sight to see because back then, you know, everybody's, you know, trying to meet the girls and everything, but Frosty didn't care. Frosty said, I'm going to eat. <laughs> I thought to myself, my man. Anyway, it was spectacular to meet that guy, and it's wild, and it's one of the early lessons that I had, and, you know, don't judge a book by looking at the cover. You know, beyond him just loving to eat and everything, he also had the early days of what we now call diabetes. And Frosty was a phenomenal drummer, a magnificent guy. It was a magnificent uh, couple nights that we opened up for those guys. But just reminiscing right now, though. Splish, splash, I was taking a bath. Oh, yeah. Long about a Saturday night. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. Rubbed up, just relaxing in the tub. Thinking everything was all right. Well, I stepped out the tub and put my feet on the floor. Come on. I wrapped the towel around me and I opened the door. And, and then, then a splish splash. splash. I jumped back in the bath. Well, I was out and know there was a party going on. There was a splishing and a splashing. Rhythm with the feeling. Moving and a grooving. Bobby Darren right there. Bobby Darren always had great hits. The women loved him and everything. And then he let go with Splish Splash. I was taking a bath. They called it a novelty tune and kind of like hurt his reputation because he was like, a, you know, he was kind of like Elvis-ish, only Sinatra-esque. Anyway, so now I play that song because this is wild to me. You know who Alicia Silverstone is? She had a bunch of movies. Clueless was like one of her big movies. Alicia Silverstone. Well, anyway, she got a nine-year-old son, all right? I don't know how, she, how old she is. She got to be 35 to 40. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. All right, so she got a nine-year-old son, all right? Good-looking kid, too. I was looking at the picture of him. And I don't know. I don't know. Because... She had a big story on her because she and her nine-year-old son take baths together. Right? Mom's taking a bath with a nine-year-old kid 
who will be 10, which makes them two years short of 12, which makes them one year short of 13, which means he's into puberty, which will take him to 16, which means he will be extending himself manly-wise, and then onward into the 18s, 20s, 30s. How long are you going to be taking a bath with the kid? I don't know. I'm just thinking to myself, man, anybody out there here in the river bend, a mom, I guess, take a bath with their son? 618-465-1570. Anybody. I don't get why. And while I'm waiting, let's uh, let's listen to a happy mom bathing song. What do you do when your mom's unhappy? Jerry left her feeling crappy. Sing her a shanty nice and snappy. Wash her in the bathtub. Wash, wash, wash your <laughs> Jay scrub, scrub, scrub your <laughs> Jay rinse, rinse, rinse your <laughs> Jay next will do your tushy. Wash, wash, wash your tushy. Scrub, scrub, scrub your tushy. Rinse, rinse, rinse your tushy. We just did your tushy. So, I just wonder, is this normal? When do you stop taking a bath with your kid? All right? Maybe even a you know, girl in a girl bath. You know, mom and daughter. There's got to be a stop point. But this, uh, her son's nine years old. I don't know. When I was nine years old, I don't remember what I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking about taking a bath with my mom. I know that. I don't know all that much, but, you know, the Alzheimer's has set in, but I do remember that I wasn't thinking about taking a bath with my mom. But nevertheless, this kid, picture him and his mom, and they're smiling, all happy and everything. But I guess if my mom looked like Alicia Silverstone, then maybe I would want to take a bath with her. But my mom looked like me, and I hate bathing myself, to tell you the truth. That's why I shower. Ah, response to something like this from this young lady. This came to us from St. Louis, Missouri. Dear Mary, five years ago, my mom was diagnosed with COPD. Last year, I left my job to be her full-time caregiver. For the most part, everything is great. We have a great time going to museums, walking in the park, and visiting with friends. In the last several months, mom began needing a lot more help, including bathing. I dread bath time. Mom does fine. She has never balked at getting in the tub. The problem is that I'm her son. And I feel awkward bathing my mother. Yeah. She obviously can't go without bathing. Right. So what do I do? Mm. And it's signed, Jerry. Jerry. First of all, congratulations on your mother's ability to get in the tub. Okay. I haven't seen the inside of a tub in four years. <laughs> I remember that last bath like it was yesterday. And I'll bet the paramedics remember it, too. You sound like an incredibly caring son, but there are limits. I think my own sons would move to another state if it looked like they would have to bathe me, and I would help them pack. For heaven's <laughs> sakes, Jerry, get in touch with your local Home Instead senior care immediately. They can relieve you of this responsibility in a heartbeat, and as an added benefit, give you some time off. Make that call today yeah i don't know how an adult uh son would be you know let's, let's say my mom was still alive she probably be about 92 93 right now i'm 70 i can i couldn't bathe with my mom even if it meant me you know i'm helping her out by scrubbing her down and all that you know 
people, people, people. All right. Well, nobody's calling on that. I understand it's an embarrassing topic in a way. There's got to be somebody here in the river bend that's bathing their mom. That's just what I'm thinking. I don't think all that much, but when I do think, I think smart things just like that. All right. Well, we'll drop the subject. Then when we come back, we'll talk Major League Baseball and how the COVID has started to destroy the game. What do you do when your mom's unhappy? Jerry left her feeling crappy. Sing her a shanty nice and snappy. Wash her in the bathtub. Wash, wash, wash your <laughs> Jay scrub, scrub, scrub your <laughs> Jay rinse, rinse, rinse your <laughs> Jay next will do your tushy. Wash, wash, wash your tushy. Scrub, scrub, scrub your tushy. Rinse, rinse, rinse your tushy. We just did your tushy. All right, smash with you right here. I got to go right into it. No time for the, the, the sing song, you know, that leads into going right in because this is big, big news. And I got my man, Ed Wheatley, right over here. He's written the three books. Yep. You can find him at Reedy Press and ReedyPress.com. You see him right there. Incredible Cardinals, all love. It. But I got to ask you, Ed, we'll get right, right into it, Matt. What has happened to the game one weekend in, man? This is wild. I think it's like the mid-70s. We need to be playing the Jaws theme song, dun-dun-dun-dun, just when you thought it was safe to go back into water. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. You thought it was safe to go back to baseball, and the virus is going uh, rampant. We had two games canceled for today. The Miami uh, Marlins have 14 players that tested positive. 14? Fourteen, yeah. Wow. They had uh, four go- going into yesterday, and they thought they could play. And then apparently, it just ran across the team. They don't know where it came from yet. Whether you know Miami's such a hot spot, or they played an exhibition game right before the weekend in Atlanta. And Atlanta, as we spoke Friday, we we're talking in our preview that Atlanta lost two catchers, and so you're seeing more and more of these teams. Uh, Cincinnati's got a couple, yeah, but it, it, it's fourteen. So I mean, it's. You know, Major League Baseball is doing it different than hockey. Hockey, they're up in the bubble. You're in the hotels that connect to the right. to the arena where they skate, and that's it. You're in Major League Baseball, sending 1,500 people all around the country in these air tubes of airplanes, and mm-hmm. you know from one hot spot to the other. So, you know, was that the right decision, or should they have all stayed in, you know, and yeah. played in one or two adjacent uh, stadiums? I don't know. But this is. This is what some people kind of speculated. It's a shame because baseball got out such to a yep. wonderful start. Yeah, yeah. So who makes a judgment call if there is one to be made as well, to when to stop baseball in case more of these cases start coming up amongst the players? Well, it's definitely the commissioner's office. There's going to be a mm-hmm. lot of input from the Players Association. There's going to be a lot of impact from the owners. And then, you know, as you see, the Toronto Blue Jays, we're not even allowed to play in Toronto. The Canadian government yeah. wouldn't let them come in and play. And then they couldn't. They wanted to play in Pittsburgh, and the city of Pittsburgh health department said no. Baltimore said no. So you could see some of these cities stepping in. You know, here in uh, our River City area, we've had St. Louis County. Um, Sam Page, you know, our uh, a leader in the St. Louis County, he's stepped up today. Some more restrictions. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that could have a lot of input if this thing got a little worse. Well, I'm just thinking to myself, if by chance we see, and we're seeing what the baseball is doing one weekend, if we see the same thing come up, the hockey players, when they begin their playoff run, this coming Sunday, I think it is, August 2nd, yeah. 
Uh, if we see the same type of thing, then somebody's going to have to say, well, wait a minute. Like I said in the first place, we should have not even thought about doing sports in 2020, get everything ready for 2021 and go for it then. Because you don't know. And the way they're talking now is that we're going to get a second run on this COVID mm-hmm. stuff and we're going to have to shut back down, go back to phase one in the first place. That's a big, big thought. You know, Whitey Herzog came out and said, you know, just forget about this year. Yeah. You know, he said a lot of the same reasons. And, you know, you hate to say this, but was it dollar signs leading these decisions? You know, the TV revenues, college football's talking about, oh, we got to play. Yeah. Uh, You know, is that dollars uh, that helps? I mean, and these schools need these monies. I mean, I understand why there's interest, but there's more important things. But this is. You know, like I said, it's kind of it was sitting there going dud on, dud on, and now the sharks in the water, man. Yeah, sharks in the water, and I think nobody's going to stop the game until the shark bites and somebody dies off the COVID. Well, you, well, you got that right. If somebody to die, I mean, you help. You know, Mar- Marlins, fourteen of their players, yeah. that's almost half the team, yeah, is right. uh, is in, is infected and sh- and shut down, and then you know the the game in Philadelphia. The Marlins played in Philadelphia this weekend, and they left, mm-hmm. and, they, and they, so they're stopping him. But the Yankees were coming into Philadelphia, so they they had to postpone that game because they had yeah. to quarantine the visitors' locking room. Yeah. So we don't know it will tomorrow's game be be postponed, or will there be another flare up of tests in in another team somewhere? So I mean, this is it's kind of interesting watching and listening, uh, you know, as you, as you see. Just kind of play out across the big board of them of the country, uh, but you know, hockey's a little different. They're all in this bubble. Yeah. They don't leave. They can't. They're not being transported here, there. But yet, on the other hand, hockey and football—they're hanging on each other, and you can't tell me they're not exactly. breathing in each other's faces. Exactly, exactly. Because you know they got to get up close if they're going to be doing their fighting. You know they got to right. if they're fighting, they're going to be spitting because oftentimes when you fight, liquids come out of your mouth. And, uh, and, uh, I guess we just got to wait a week, uh, week's worth of hockey because hockey's doing the playoffs. Hockey's not, right. not doing a season. They're doing the playoffs. And so how that uh, would alter if indeed hockey comes down with the same thing MLB has come down with here a week into the game, then somebody's right. got to say, Hey, we got to stop this stuff, relax, get our act together. In fact, football, you ought to think about not even playing this year. And we started all back up in 2020. That's what I'm saying because this is a shot year, man. I think uh, Smash has it has it hit that nail right on the head. I mean, this is serious stuff, and yep. you got to do the health thing, not the dollar thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go on a better side, shall we say? And that is, you watch the Cardinals this weekend. Uh, how'd you see oh, yeah. them as far as the the team is concerned? Well, you know, I thought they, sh- they they started out, I think, above everybody's expectations. The yeah. way they took control of uh, Friday and Saturday's game. You know, and across baseball, it was interesting. When I picked up yesterday morning's paper, after two days, almost all the teams were tied at 1-1. One and one. They were just the Cardinals uh, and the Astros were 2-0. and oh. uh, the, the, the Yankees, uh, they were 1-0, and oh, and you know, and uh, Padres. But everybody else was... One and one, so there was a lot of parity in those first couple mm-hmm. of games. And you know, yesterday, you know, teams played. The Cardinals lost. They went to two and one. And if you look up and down, it, the standings are very close. Mm-hmm. And the Cardinals, you know, the things we talked about at top of the order, you know, guys like Wong had to hit. You know, Goldschmidt, DeYoung, I mean, and, and Wood, the outfield, O'Neill 
Kopechnicki and Fowler, they cracked home runs right off the bat. Yeah. Um, you know, yesterday was a little day. They cooled off to their old ways. You know, we've got to get Carpenter hitting. You know, Bader's got to get a hit. He's still, you know, wearing the sombrero over everything. Uh, but, you know, they showed they can play. They showed they can pitch. So, you know, you know, I think there's good good hope in the, in, the, in the Cardinals. I mean, Flaherty showed he's the ace. He can take the ball on opening day. And what about old man Wainwright? My gosh, you know. <laughs> old man Wainwright. Old man yeah. Wainwright. That's, that's, yeah, that's correct, though. 39. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, uh, it's, uh, you know, that he gave you a good quality start. He got himself into trouble one inning and pitched around it, mm-hmm. and he looked good. I mean, and, yeah. you know, the young as your uh, – Cleanup man, he was he had some pop on the ball, and you know the people said Goldschmidt had to come back, and boy, he sent one out. I mean, he's he had a great, great mm-hmm. series. He's batting five hundred after three days. Uh, you know, I think uh, you got to like what you see in the mm-hmm. in this team, and you know, pitching they're under control. Yesterday, they just got up against a couple uh, pirate pitchers that uh, they were lights out there in relief, yeah. and they just shut them down. Yeah, uh, but. You know, you're not going to win them all. That's yeah. the thing of it. You're not going to win them all. Right you win every series, and they won the first series. You win every series, you're going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> right. Well, who, who are we playing next? I don't remember. We're going up to Minnesota to play uh, a very, very tough team in the Twins. The Twins, you know, made the playoffs last year. So next Monday we're talking like this, saying, how'd last week go? It's yeah. going to be telling because you go to the Twins, who are destined to be a playoff team this year. Uh, very strong, and then from there you go to the arch enemy Milwaukee Brewers, who mm-hmm. who are a tough team, and uh, you know they look good, but uh, you know if you can come back after you know playing in Minnesota and playing in Milwaukee and still be on top, you know you got momentum, and you got to yeah. think there's not that many weeks, but win right. every series, you're in the playoffs. Right on. That is Ed Wheatley. Appreciate the insight. I should smash in, of course. Not a doctor, but I do play one on the radio. Buddy, I'll catch up with you on down the line as this goes on. And, uh, you know, call me in case you know something that I don't know because you're into it deeper than I am. But if anybody wants some great baseball history, you want to get one of the books, three books that Ed Wheatley has written. And you can go right to Reedy, R-E-E-D-Y, Reedy Press and see exactly the uh, library that he's put out there for you. And then all of a sudden you become a whole lot smarter as to the history of baseball in St. Louis. I appreciate the time, my man. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. And we leave right there. Smash right here. Now, coming up in just a moment here, this is going to be fantastic. And it is my man, Al Watkins. Al Watkins and I have been friends for 20, 25 years. Been my attorney on a couple of cases. And Al Watkins is also the attorney for Mr. and Mrs. Molesky. Uh, and uh, did I say Molesky? It's not Molesky. <laughs> it's, anyway, the folks out there in the Central West End, and they have a different story based on what Al is getting ready to tell you here. Coming up in the next break, Mr. and Mrs. Molesky. What I was thinking, Molesky? Uh, Molesky. I know uh, Ed Molesky out in uh, San Francisco, but that's a different guy. So Al Watkins coming up in just a moment here. It's going to be fantastic. You've got it with Smash Daily right here on WBGZ. And speaking of great attorneys, our friend Al Watkins is just that, just like Mr. Hopkins right there. And 
Al is the attorney for Mr. and Mrs. Malosky, and they are the folks who are out there on the Central West End in uh, Portland Place, and they had the run-in with the protesters, and uh, Malosky's were brandishing fire irons, and their attorney, Al Watkins, is a longtime friend of mine. I said, Al, can you come in and tell, tell a little bit deeper on what this? He said, no problem, smash. So to get you ready, because we're going to do four different bits on this, because each one of the four has got different storylines to it. It's fantastic. So the next four breaks are going to be all Al Watkins. What was it all? Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Because this is stuff you ain't going to get on Fox, stuff you ain't going to get on CNN, you ain't going to get on Channel 4, you ain't going to get it on Channel 4. None of them. Because Al Watkins is a friend of mine, and he's talking straight. So to get you ready for this legal discussion, I'm going to play four, since we've got four breaks, four of the greatest theme songs from shows that deal with law and order. We begin with the greatest, if not the greatest. Perry Mason. Theme song. Smash with you here, WBGZ. Appreciate you listening, as I promised on Friday. Here we are to Monday, and I'm delivering Al Watkins to you. Interview that I did with uh, my friend and partner on another show that I do, Mark Milton's show. Me and Mark talked to Al on the show yesterday. Now, Al Watkins is the attorney for Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey, who you know were brandishing the weapons on their lawn, protecting their property as protesters marched on down the street through a broken gate, marched on down the street that was a private street. They shouldn't have been on there. Now, with that in mind, they, as protectants of their property, have now become the criminals because of the brandishing of the weapons, because of the way they're being depicted in social media, because of the way the mass media is handling this particular case, not only locally, but also worldwide. So the guy who knows this case is the guy who became their attorney at the beginning. He's been my attorney for about 20-some years. That's Al Watkins. In fact, he used to live down the street from the McCloskeys over there in Portland Place. So let's go to Al Watkins because everybody knows about this situation. I mean everybody. Al Watkins. We had the attention of the White House. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the president himself is fascinated with the reality that in this day and age, we have people who are trying to protect themselves and their family and their homes yeah. and are being charged with felonies yeah. for doing so on their own property. Yeah. We had the attention of the chief of staff of, of President Trump, Mark Meadows. He's all over this like a bad dose of the flu, not COVID, but, yeah. but a bad flu. dose of the flu. 
we have the governor, the governor of the state of Missouri, who um, has come out very clearly and in a concise fashion, stating, well, by the way, if you know if they get convicted, I'm issuing a pardon. Mm-hmm. We have the head state law enforcement official in the form of our attorney general writing an amicus brief and filing it with the court explaining the absolute law of the state of Missouri, also known as the Castle Doctrine, stating that everything that the McCloskeys did was lawful and not worthy of any criminal charge. Now we have even more amazing revelations. The handgun that was held by Mrs. McCloskey was turned over to me to preserve and maintain the integrity of that evidence because that handgun was inoperable. Oh, really? It was inoperable at the time that she waived it. And the charge that she is being charged with, unlawful use of a weapon, Mm -hmm. is one which requires that the weapon be readily capable of lethal force. This handgun was not. And in fact, in order to have it be available for utilization in a courtroom as an exhibit in products liability cases against the manufacturer of the gun that was handled by the McCloskeys, both of whom are attorneys, they had to reverse the firing pin. Yeah. To do that, you have to fully dissemble the gun, reverse the firing pin, and reassemble the gun. Yeah. That is not something you can do without knowledge, and it's not something you can do readily. You have to do it, and it takes time. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be a handgun or firearms expert, and, you, and it takes time. I turned over that gun pursuant to a search warrant to the detectives in the St. Louis City Police Department. I made sure that that conveyance of the possession of that gun was videoed by every local television network. Photographs were taken by UP and by post-dispatch photographers. There were witnesses there, including those affiliated with our federal government. And we made sure that it was memorialized and transferred in a fashion to preserve the integrity of the inoperable nature of that gun. Things had been put on the gun so that nothing could be done to tamper with that gun without us seeing it. And lo and behold, now, yesterday, the circuit attorney says, oh, we, we ripped up the gun and reversed the firing pin and put it back together and it was readily capable of lethal, lethal harm. So they reversed it. They reversed it. They tampered with with evidence. evidence. And that's a crime. Yeah. Now we've also found out, and this is a first, the search warrant served upon the residents of the McCloskeys that served as the basis to get those handguns was premised on a report prepared by a detective who we are now led to believe was forced and compelled by a major in the police department at the direction of the circuit attorney to change the report to make sure that it comported with the elements required to permit a warrant to issue. That, ladies and gentlemen, is corruption. And that is another problem. Another problem for a political creature whose job appears to be premised solely on her ability to ignore 
fundamental and longstanding Missouri law. And ladies and gentlemen, we all, as we sit here today, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your background, your pedigree, your heritage, we are all McCloskeys. And if we don't support the McCloskeys and fight back against what is a demonstration of the blatant compromise of their civil rights, we are next. And who's going to be there for us? That is Al Watkins, attorney for the McCloskeys, who are now defendants in a felony charge at minimum from Kim Gardner. Well, the attorney general is not going to let that stand. So it's like all kinds of dichotomies going on in this whole thing. We've got a four-piece interview we're doing with Al Watkins for you here today. So coming back, it's Al talking about the McCloskeys. He lived at one point in time down the street uh, from them in Portland Place where all this happened. So he's got a good story and a good angle from there along with other information as far as this case is concerned. When we get back here, Smash Daily you're listening to, as is always, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 o'clock, right here on the Big Z. people spending more time at home and especially in an effort to make sure that that home is their castle based on, well, COVID is going to keep us at home for a long, long time. Meaning it might be better to stay at home instead of maybe buying that new house, but it may be better to buy that new house instead of staying at the house. But before you do got to make sure that things are right with the house. If these walls could talk type of thing. All right. And one of the things that you got to be taken to account is the asbestos level of the house. Now, asbestos, uh, I've heard asbestos, I've heard asbestos, uh, I've heard. So this was something that was widely used in building materials back in the day, drywall, plaster, tile, siding, all that stuff. So before you, you go cutting into the wall, cutting into the floor, before you do any demo uh, at the house, any drilling, well, what you ought to do is uh, test those materials to ensure that it's safe for you to remove on your own, or you could have it all done professionally. When you call 618-471-9119, 618-471-9119. I'm talking about environmental resources. That's the Henson family. They've been doing this for three decades now. This is family-owned and operated environmental resources where your asbestos and mold removal experts are environmental resources. Why do you choose them? Well, they use that state-of-the-art asbestos and mold remediation techniques, you know, whether it be the machines, whether it be 
just knowledge of how to get that stuff out of there by maybe as simple as tearing the wall out, you know. They will, shall we say, have a guaranteed and reliable and prompt and high-quality workmanship about themselves. But make sure your job is done right and that, boy, nothing worse than having workers come into your house and then they just leave a mess. They don't do that stuff. Environmental resources, they don't. Like I said, locally-owned family, owned and operated for three decades now. They're licensed, certified. They got the highly experienced crew. Number one, priority customer satisfaction because I tell you what, this is a dangerous business. You know, you're talking asbestos, you're talking mold, mildew. That stuff ain't good for you. So in that danger, let the pros fight for you. Let your army be environmental resources. They got all the machines. They got all the knowledge. They got all the capability that you, by trying to save some money, wind up not saving yourself because you ain't doing it right or whatever the case may be. You call 618-471-9119. 618-471-9119. And you can talk with the Henson family when you get hold of them at that number. Tell them what your situation is. They come out to give you an estimate as to how that's going to be done, what needs to be done, where they're going to take it as far as dumping is concerned because it's got to be dumped somewhere. They got a place way far away from here. You don't have to worry about it. Nothing. They take care of the whole deal. So if you got yourself a house or a building, whatever the case may be, here in the Riverbend area, you probably got something that at one point in time, if not right now, has and or has had. Asbestos has or has had mold, mildew. You want to make sure that thing is right, especially if you've got a family moving into a new house. Make sure that's right. Take care of your family. Take care of your business people. Take care of your workers over there. And it starts with the phone call, 618-471-9119 for environmental resources.